Design Guy, Episode 38. Design Guy here. Welcome to the show. This is the program that explores timeless principles of design and explains them simply. Today we'll discuss why sometimes you've got to get negative to be positive. No, we're not talking creative mood swings here or how to channel your anger into your work or anything like that. We're talking about negative space and how giving attention to negative space can strengthen our design compositions. Okay, so what exactly is negative space? Well, first of all, negative space is kind of an unfortunate phrase because the word negative is such a downer. But in the context of art and design, it is simply the opposite of positive space. Now, of course, that's not all that helpful since we haven't defined positive space yet either. So let's start there. Positive space is the shape of your foreground elements. If, say, you're looking at an illustration of a hippopotamus performing a high-wire act carrying an umbrella. All the elements I've just described, the hippo, the umbrella, the high-wire, make up the foreground elements. Taken together, their collective silhouette defines the positive space. On the other hand, the space that surrounds her is the negative space. And yes, the hippo is a girl. So if you were to take a marker and color in everything but the hippo, the high-wire, and the umbrella you will have defined the negative space. Here's another example drawn from Betty Edwards' Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. Edwards reminds us of the old Warner Brothers cartoons where Bugs Bunny reacts to something and runs. Maybe it was that episode in the Mad Scientist's Castle with that big orange-haired monster wearing tennis shoes. Anyway, he panics and he runs, slamming right through a door leaving a Bugs Bunny-shaped hole behind. And it's that hole in the door that we want to remember. Because in that hole, we see the exact shape of Bugs Bunny. His head and ears, his arms and legs, all perfectly circumscribed. So that hole represents the positive shape, the positive space of Bugs. And it's what's left behind of the door that is the negative space, because the remaining part of the door captured the negative shape surrounding Bugs Bunny. I like this example because the door puts us in mind of our canvas or page, which is almost always a, a rectangle of some sort. And with the positive space extracted, that is the shape of Bugs Bunny, what we've got left is our negative space. And if you've logged as many hours as I have watching Chuck Jones cartoons as a kid, then this example is great and visual, and you'll never forget how to describe negative space. I mentioned this came out of Betty Edwards' book, Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. And if you're anything like me, somewhat frustrated with your drawing abilities, you'll want to grab this title for your library because it can really help you, really help you translate what you see to the page. And it's also chock full of dramatic before and after examples of her students' work, which start out as just totally juvenile-looking stuff. I mean stuff that looks like third-grade art class, but that progress, in some cases, to some pretty mature work. And not to digress too far on this subject of drawing, but I was very encouraged once reading an interview with designer Paula Scher. If you don't know who she is, Paula Scher is an acclaimed designer with a very distinctive typographic style, and she recounted about how she drew the honest conclusion that she couldn't draw all that well, but that she loved type. 
and focused on how to compose, type, and image together in innovative ways. And now, artistically challenged Paula Scher is at the top of her field. So that's just a, a quick anecdote to encourage some of you out there. Uh, designers can feel very insecure about their work and their abilities. And again, I, I'm also limited in my drawing abilities. And it helps to hear things like that now and then. But back to negative space. Edwards, like many art teachers, instructs her students to draw the negative space rather than the positive space. Instead of focusing on a positive element, a model's arm, for example, they're told to draw the shapes around the arm. And they often get more accurate results when they do so because they're building on those shapes. And this may also have something to do with right brain, left brain theory, the way our minds switch modes that accounts for this. But nevertheless, it really does work. So, for example, if you were to draw a picture of someone standing with their hands on their hips, rather than draw the positive shapes of their arms, you might start with the triangular shapes that occur between the arms and the torso. You're still drawing the arm, but your focus is indirect. Edwards reports that her students experience a kind of epiphany after being introduced to negative space because they see the world differently. And because the right brain is associated with creativity and that blissed-out feeling of euphoria we get when we're in that mode, our students report that the world is prettier and more interesting to them as they look at it anew. And best of all, they get dramatically better results in their drawing. So how does this help us as designers? How, how is this practical for us? Well, when we scrutinize negative space and take it into account... It helps us make decisions on the page. It helps us diagnose problems. It helps us decide where to put elements on a page. And especially when we're in that stage, when we're shifting things around, trying to find the best spot for those essential elements that we're working with, paying attention to the negative shapes can help greatly. I know that I frequently find myself in a kind of a restless place when I'm working, moving things all over the page, scaling things up, scaling them back down, balancing things various ways. Or I may have worked out this great typographic solution for a headline, pairing large and small type together, and I really like it, but then I'm hating the way it interacts with other elements on the page, and so I discard that arrangement for some other solution. And a lot of what drives this unrest that we experience is the negative space. We're not happy with the way we're shaping it. And remember, you're always sculpting white space on the page. And we'll, we'll talk about that more directly another time, but just keep that in mind for now. Every movement, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And that principle certainly applies to our dealings with positive and negative space. And often this process is subconscious and intuitive, but we're restless just the same until we solve it, because if it isn't working, we're troubled by it. So a graphic designer who remembers to think beyond the positive elements on the page, to be aware of more, and to pay conscious attention to the negative shapes he or she is creating, stands a better chance of solving those compositional problems. And by the way, this is a universal experience for designers. Paul Rand did a famous piece involving an abacus, and it was that act of shifting the beads of an abacus around until we're satisfied that stands as his metaphor for the design process. Negative space becomes especially important and interesting when we use it to form shapes that are just as significant, and perhaps more so, 
than the positive elements on our page. So this act of bringing the background into the foreground with meaningful negative shapes can be seen in many corporate logos, as I've pointed out a number of times before. So keep your eyes peeled for those. They're a great source of instruction to designers. Well, I'm going to leave it right there for now, although there's much more we can say about this subject. Uh, for example, the problems of white space or issues like trapped white space, uh, m many issues that uh, run like threads through related topics. But we'll have to hit such issues at a later time. For now, I want to thank you very much for listening, and I'll ask that if you're enjoying the show, please consider taking a moment to leave a descriptive review at iTunes, which will help the show's rankings and encourage others to subscribe. And as always, you can get a transcript of the show at designguyshow.blogspot.com. Music is by kcentricity.com. And by the way, I've added my Twitter link at designguyshow.blogspot.com, so stop by if you want to follow my Twitter feed. But I thank you again, and I hope to have you back next time 